This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome, willkommen, bienvenido, bienvenue, benvenuti a tutti. Welcome, one and all. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dahlia Wild, and this is the Oh My God Particle Show, where we talk about science and art and music and good, good, good vibrations and all matters near and far. So ready or not, unpack your imaginations and get ready to rumble through the universe that we are so, so lucky to live in. We are the stars. Quality standard statement. The muons, gluons, and neutrons in this podcast are guaranteed to be of the same quality and quantity as those used in other productions of OMGPS Enterprises and their subsidiaries. Hi, guys. Guess where I am? Me and my beloved dog, Higgsy Bozani... We made it to Geneva, Switzerland. We accomplished our mission, the return to CERN. I just love this place, especially all the flags at the CERN Visitor Center. It's a sight to see. There are flags representing all 100 countries who got together and made this amazing place happen. Igzy, can you smell it? The air is so clear, so silky, so quietly, so naturally, so beautifully breathable. Oh, and look over there. Cars are all plugged in, and they say share me. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Let's go inside. We'll get my Wi-Fi set up so we can have a remote talk with my wonderful CERN mentor, Dr. Mark Cruz. He originally took me underground into the Large Hadron Collider. The LHC is now revved up again and running at even higher energies. So all the researchers from all over the world who work here can discover even more about how our universe is created, sustained, and evolving. We are also going to have another great human in our talk today, 
John Noble Rasmussen. John has studied and visited with indigenous people all over the world. He helps me torture Mark with all my questions about where does science and spirituality meet? What is energy? What are vibrations? How does it all work? Okay, stand by for these two great guys. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. We had such a good time, didn't we? That Can you believe it was eight years ago when Mark, brilliant particle physicist. Um, was it really eight years? I can't believe it was eight years ago. <laughs> 2014, right? Wow. In, a, in a, like August and September. And you took me and the great John Rasmussen. And we had our other visitors from Oxford came. And that was such a phenomenal time. So... Mark, could you tell our nice listeners, who are a lot of uh, enthusiastic girls and women, especially who might want to get into particle physics, what I can't say the word today, physics, particle physicist. It's one of those drunk words, right? Physicist. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say. (laughs) Can you tell the people what the heck you do at CERN? What is CERN? What is the Large Hadron Collider? And what do you do at Duke? I forgot. Yes, I'm a professor at Duke in the physics department here. And so my research group is in uh, experimental particle physics. And so experimental particle physics basically is trying to, you know, understand the fundamental uh, fundamental nature of, of the universe. And the way we do that is we try to collide particles together to try to sort of replicate what happened in the literally the first trillionth of a second of the universe. Um, and, and so we do this at these huge sort of collider experiments. Um, and so the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, which is um, on the border of Switzerland and France, is one such collider. It's the highest energy collider right now. Um, and so at CERN, we, um, with the Large Hadron Collider, we collide our protons together at extremely high energies, at the sort of highest technologically available energies that we're able to uh, create. And the the way we do that is in this 27-kilometer tunnel underground, and we have these thousands of bunches of protons, and we collide those together at these enormous energies, which correspond to the energies that particles had when the universe was literally about a trillionth of a second old. So we're trying to replicate those conditions Hmm. to see you know, what existed then and how and why the universe evolved into, you know, what it did and why, in fact, why we're here, you know, ask these types of questions. It's so amazing, so interesting. And how did you get into particle physics? How did I get into it? So I I grew up in, in New Zealand, um, you know, sort of, sort of just outside uh, Auckland. And my parents really didn't put any pressure on me to do one thing or another. They like both, neither of my parents even finished high school. So I'm um, sort of a first generation scientist in some sense. Um, and so they, you know, they didn't say you have to be a doctor or you have to be a lawyer. They sort of let me sort of think and, and hmm. do things sort of fairly freely. And, you know, particle physics itself, I, I, I guess I sort of got more into philosophy first, you know, just asking questions about what am I doing here? You know, and looking, you know, looking up in the night sky and saying, you know, what is my place on this little rock that's, you know, orbiting the star? Um, you know, is there any special, you know, anything special about this place? And in some sense, you know, early on, I guess in my early teens, it was a sort of an obsession or more, I wouldn't say obsession, more fascination with what 
you know, infinite means? What do we mean by something's infinite? What do, we, what do we mean by the fact that the, you know, the universe will last forever? And here I am, you know, definitely not going to last forever, you know, in a universe that does last forever. I mean, but, so that those, those sorts of questions really bothered me early on. <laughs> I guess it's sort of a, a morbid sort of fascination with death in some sense. I mean, it was like, you know, what, you know, why am I here for just a flicker of, of time compared to the, the entire universe? And, you know, what am I doing here trying to, you know, explain my, you know, my, you know, part in this? And so, you know, that kind of naturally leads to particle physics because particle physics is, is attempt at, you know, fundamentally understanding you know, the, the, the nature of the universe. And that's sort of what, John, what you do too, isn't it? What do you do, John? Well, let's see. What, what I do is I drink as much coffee as possible to get my energy high enough to collide a few neurons and maybe I'll get an idea about it. But yeah, no, I, I definitely started out very similarly um, in a way to Mark with the philosophical side of things and a lot of questions, you know, why are we here? How did we get here? What is this? What is this thing called creation and consciousness and and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I wanted to be an astronaut. So I ended up studying, um, electrical engineering and, and, uh, and, and literature and things like that. And then moved on to studying some of the ways the ancient cultures, um, perceived the world and how they use that in practical ways, you know, to make the quality of life better, you know, for, for their villagers and so on. And so I spent a lot of years, studying uh, a couple of those cultures and the the visionaries you you might call them of of those cultures they're called shamans but then that's one language and many other languages there are it's another word Mm, because you've been all over the world where peru and china and what you've been everywhere right yeah fortunately i had the opportunity when i was working in the in the engineering world um to travel a lot and on the evenings and weekends i would seek out you know the the sort of healers, the Qigong masters, the, the energy healers, the, the, the teachers and and masters of all these traditions. And I would, you know, study and try practicing some of these things. And in a kind of, in a truly scientific method, you know, of Mm -hmm. if, if you ask a hundred people to do the same thing, you know, uh, focus on something, meditate on something, what have you. And then you ask them, you know, uh, so that's the injunction, right? And then, and then the observation, what did you notice? What did you see? You know, did you have a vision of some sort, you know, right? That's the sort of data and corroboration. And then, you know, if everybody sort of sees the same thing or has a similar result, maybe you get close to some, some sort of proof, right? So it's just in a more, um, mindful, you know, it's, uh, truly just, um, kind of heart, mind, and, and soul mm. level of, of exploration and, uh, and, and trying things um, and seeing what results you get. You know, it's only sort of interesting to, to folks like me and my teachers if something produces a, a result in terms of how's your quality of life? How is this improving? Mm. You know, so it's both philosophical, but there's sort of this practical, pragmatic aspect of it which I, I know is the same. It's very similar, obviously, for what particle. Mark is doing. Yes. Yeah. And this both is, of you yeah. gentlemen are so extra special. And I was telling Will Pearson, who's the head of iHeart Podcast, who 
he actually went to Duke where Mark teaches and I was a student and he created this initiative to help amplify women's voices. And uh, I was telling him about how special you are. And even though this is a initiative to help women's voices, I told him how important it is to really pay honor to the great men who are helping women. And so hopefully we can create a model so that people know what it looks like now when men help women and help every diverse voice. So that's exciting. And I I love when, uh, because especially both of you guys have been very patient with me because I I know Mark says there are no dumb questions in particle physics, but I really asked him a lot. And Mark, you were so patient with me. And also, John, you've been really patient with my endless spiritual slash physics questions. And then we tortured Mark a bit, didn't we, in 2014 when we went to CERN? And and I was asking, like, who struck the match of the universe? And, and how many times did I ask Mark, like, why isn't a miracle science, and he kept saying that we have to repeat it. But yeah, I mean, you know, to come back to your question, there's there's no dumb questions. I you know I generally believe that because we don't really have a working <laughs> model. We don't understand. You know, I wouldn't say we don't understand anything, but at a fundamental level, we really don't know how much we don't understand. And you know, I think it, it seems that if you go back in, in in history, you know, scientists of the time always believed, or quite often believed, that that, you know, they had a complete picture of nature at that time. And and then there's some revolution or something, you know, hmm. um, happens that completely changes you know, the, the way we have to think and we have the way we have to change our models. And so <laughs> I, I don't that. think we're anywhere near the end of that process. I mean, I think, you know, I, I really think to, to first order, we know nothing. Um, and, we, you know, we, we have these models, we have these models of the universe and we use, you know, and we try to explain the universe in languages that we can comprehend and understand. They may not be the right languages to use at all, right? I mean, these are, you know, we have not been around for very long and we're trying to, you know, we've developed these languages that are based on our observation of, you know, our macroscopic sort of world that we have some intuition about and we're trying to sort of force those languages onto the microscopic that we can't see and we can't really, you know, experience as, as, as well. And it just, you know, maybe it just doesn't work. And, and so I think language is, is, is an important aspect of it. And actually something John just said, it just kind of triggered something in me. Um, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, different cultures and, 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 and different groups. And, you know, I can imagine those different cultures and different groups have different ways of explaining things. And, you know, a concrete example to that is, you know, coming from New Zealand where the sort of indigenous uh, people are the, are the Maori, you know, the, the Maori have a very sort of almost poetic name for, you know, the stars in, in the sky. You know, in, in English we say star and that's, you know, a, an object, right? That's a singular object. Mm. In Maori it's Tafana Marama. And Tafana Marama actually means the family of light. So it's <laughs> already, it's a completely different way of thinking about it. It's, you know, everything is interconnected and it's it's not, the stars aren't an object, but it's it's more a reference to the way we actually observe it. And so it's a completely different way of thinking about, you know, what you actually see. And, you know, hmm. I, I think so good. So I think language plays a really sort of important role in, in how we understand our, you know, our, our surroundings. And that's why you're always so busy when I call you because you're Duke's favorite professor, because 
when the students come in, you tell them that probably first thing, right? No dumb questions. It, it is something I, I do. So my introduction to uh, yeah, uh, astrophysics course, I, I do mention. I do mention that. That's so good. That's just wonderful. That gives permission to women or anyone in science to start using their imagination. That that just like unlocks it if you say, maybe we don't even understand any of it. I mean, I just recently started learning how to sing and I, I thought I couldn't sing at all. And the, one of the world's best singing teachers, he said to me, I sang him this tiny song. He said, who told you you can't sing? And it's really the same thing with a you know, science, right? And so many things, math and writing and teachers who aren't as skilled and compassionate as both of you, they kind of short circuit that process. So I'm hoping that this podcast, hopefully it'll be fun and make science fun or just exploring, imagining, creating, that it just gives everyone (laughs) permission to think about the big ideas. Yeah, and, and you know, both, you know, think about things and, you know, not be sort of intimidated by it. I think there's some sort of institutional role here where, you know, we we teach physics in a certain way and it tends to be sort of a linear way and we haven't really changed the way we do that in, you know, decades. Mm. And I think it's sort of more based on sort of a male-dominated society, Mm. as as many things are. So I think the way we actually teach is we don't sort of embrace sort of more sort of diverse ways of thinking about things. And, you know, in my small way, I try to change that, but it almost sort of requires some sort of institutional commitment. And, of course, these things, you know, that makes people nervous. (laughs) I think we have to, you know, embrace different, you know, know, different ways. Upside-down thinking. And... I don't even understand the standard model. Maybe you could, uh, I know that would be a four-hour discussion, but isn't the standard model is the new model beyond E equals MC squared, but aren't there some things that are going to debunk it now? Or It's already particles? debunked, but we don't, yeah. <laughs> it's already debunked, but we don't have a better option, unfortunately. <laughs> so, you know, what we call our standard model of particle physics um, is really just our best model that we have. And the fundamental constituents of the standard model, you know, are the fundamental particles. You know, in the early 1900s, protons were considered fundamental, but now we know they're made up of smaller things called quarks. And so, you know, our fundamental understanding is that, you know, everything is made up of quarks and electrons. And so, for example, a, a proton, which is in the nucleus of an atom, Protons are made up of up quarks and down quarks, not very, you know, inventive names, but those, those are what they're called, up quarks and down quarks. Neutrons are also made up of up quarks and down quarks in a somewhat different configuration. Um, and together, protons and neutrons, you know, make the nuclei of uh, atoms, and then, you know, they're surrounded by orbiting uh, electrons that make up atoms. So our fundamental nature of the universe is that up quarks and down quarks and electrons are what everything that we observe is made of. Now, it turns out that, you know, through experimental observation that there's other types of quarks and other types of sort of electron-like objects. Um, And so what we call the up quarks, down quarks, and and, and the electrons, what's called a first generation of fundamental particles. There happens to be and also a second and a third generation Hmm. that are identical to this first generation except in their (laughs) fundamental masses. We have no idea why. We have no idea why these other generations exist, and that's an open question. So I think the standard model has done a very good job in explaining what the universe is made of but not why. Hmm. But another aspect of our standard model is that 
Uh, it describes how different particles, how, funda how fundamental particles interact. So they can interact via what we call the electromagnetic interaction, which is classically what we think of as an electric field. They can also interact by what's called the strong interaction. This is what keeps the quarks bound together to form a proton or neutron. Um, and they can also interact via what's called the weak nuclear interaction. This is an interaction that mediates things like radioactive decay. But also, the, you know, our standard model does not have a good description of gravity. And you know, gravity is probably our most familiar interaction, our most familiar force. But we do not have, you know, the standard model does not have a, a description of that, a sort of quantum mechanical description of that. Um, so that's obviously a, a serious problem. We don't even know really if gravity is in, indeed fundamental. Mm. If it, is it derived from something even more fundamental? So there's a lot of open questions you know, like that. And sort of more almost in a sensational sense that you know, the standard model only describes our observable universe. Mm. So what's in the observable universe, which we now believe is only about 5% of the universe. So we understand from cosmological observations that um, about 25% of the universe is a sort of an entity that we call dark matter. It's just called dark matter because we don't really know what it is. We believe it is a form of matter mm. because we've observed its sort of gravitational interactions, but we don't know what it is. But it's about six times more prevalent than ordinary matter, the things that we're made of. So the things that we're made of, the Earth is made of, the stars, um, really only constitute about 5% of the universe. You know, 25% is this sort of mysterious dark matter. And that's one of the things we're trying to do at the Large Hadron Collider is, in fact, seeing if we can actually produce dark matter and detect it. It's very difficult because we can't see it. Mm. Right? So it doesn't interact electromagnetically. Everything we see, like light from stars, uh, is due to the electromagnetic uh, interaction. So dark matter interacts extremely weakly. Um, and so it's very hard to produce and very hard to detect, which is why we really don't know what it is. But we know how much of it there is because we've seen how it uh, sort of gravitationally influences galaxies, for example. And then there's another 70% of the universe, which which we call dark energy. Um, and we have no idea what that is at all. Um, and, you know, and if we have a universe that's only made of matter and it's expanding, then that expansion rate has to decrease, right, just due to gravity. And it expands, it has to, that expansion rate has to decrease. But sort of more recent observations over the last sort of 20 years have shown that the expansion of the universe is actually accelerating. So it's getting bigger and bigger, faster and faster. And so there's sort of an anti-gravitational or you know, negative pressure effect on the expansion of the universe. And we have no idea what's causing that. And so we call it dark energy, meaning our standard model has no idea what it is and that's just an ad hoc explanation for it. So really all this simply means is that, you know, we're now starting to observe things both in sort of cosmology and particle physics that are contrary, you know, to what our models can do. We're seeing the limitations mm -hmm. of these models, but we don't have any better ideas for how they should be replaced. Yeah. I only wish I had a particle physics teacher that spoke so well and, and as you do, and you're so enthusiastic and so inspiring because John also had mentioned that the feminine part of the brain, is that right, John, is really yeah. important for discovery. And I love how Mark is like, gives us permission to think about these ideas and welcomes us. And why is it so important, the female imagination? Well, Mark, 
I mean, he, he really said it well. He's so good. <laughs> in the, you know, the intuition, the imagination, those things. Uh, if you think about it, right, uh, in most species, it's the feminine. It's the women that give birth. That in and of itself is a mysterious, you know, you know how, how does a being grow out of, you know, just the DNA code of the egg and the sperm and so on. And so the feminine gives birth. And there's so much unknown in that. Like the feminine is the master of that unknown and that unknowable space, the dark energy, dark matter. The masculine can can categorize, analyze, uh, make institutional, you know, the, the sort of scene, right? And the domain of the feminine is that which pushes the envelope, right? Pushes beyond. It's it's the idea that someone intuits, like Mark said, uh, whether it's an Einstein or anyone, then all of a sudden, what made you think of that direction or try that? You know, it's almost like if you're exploring an iceberg and you, you're spending all the time observing the very tip that's out of the water and you're defining your iceberg based on what you see out of, out of the water, right? And the, the feminine, which has been, I should say, the sort of visionaries, the, the imaginator, the, you know, the ones with imagination, the ones with intuition, the ones who follow a different path, a different uh, calculation, a different theory. Um, throughout human history, 80% of those, those medicine people, those shamans, those visionaries were women and still are. A large other percentage were gay men. And, you know, so the feminine has been always, in a sense, at that forefront. Remember the movie Hidden Figures? You know, the, try it this way. What about this way? And, you know, there's there's just myriad examples of this. They just don't get written up so much in, in, in history, I think, right? But there's always been that person that will venture which takes a lot of courage sometimes into the depths go from the other side of the iceberg and start studying it from that side and it's hard to it's hard to put it in paper it's hard to explain it in a, you know it's hard to teach it in a class etc but it but that's the beauty of it you know it's it is the beauty of the unknown of that if there's a way obviously with instruments like mark said you can't we can't see it. We can't measure it with our current sort of electromagnetic-based instruments and so on. Mm. We can't see it with our eyes and, and everything. But the exploration of it through these other means, which is truly in the opinion of my teachers and everything I've learned, mm. essentially dominated by that feminine side, you know, of our of our own brain, of everybody's brain, mm. you know, um, the artistic, the poetic, the... You know, and so, but the two come together. The beauty of this discussion and the way Mark looks at it, teaching where he is in his institution, yeah. And, and you know, and then someone like me who, you know, does not have an institution, mm. uh, basically, is that at some point, it will increasingly come together, just like in a good visionary scientist brain, the left and the right start to start to dance with each other. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think, you know, in, in, in physics and sort of the more traditional sciences, so the hard sciences in some sense, you know, we don't embrace that enough. And I think we don't really embrace, I guess, anyway, it's probably too harsh to say we don't acknowledge, but we don't, but in some sense we don't. I mean, we, we don't acknowledge the sort of the, 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 the female's 
side of the brain, as you put it. And that's what we're going to do here with this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, because we're running to a roadblock. I mean, it's it's a limiting it's it's limiting our ability to really uh, have a fundamental self sort of understanding and. You know, if I go even further, it's like, why do we want a fundamental understanding? I mean, it's in some sense, it's, it's human nature to want to understand, you know, ourselves, our universe, and our place around it. But you know, in some sense, you know, because this has traditionally been sort of a male-dominated field, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of believe that by understanding something, we can control it, and, and that's, you know, I guess partially where this has come from. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we, you know, refer to nature as mother nature or, you know, as female. Mm. It's, you know, nature is something to be controlled or understood. I mean, it's, um, I think all these sort of emerge from a sort of a male-dominated way of thinking about yeah. how we need to understand ourselves. And sort of exclusive rather than inclusive, which yeah, is really, nature, right? more fear-based, which is control versus love-based. Oh, it's definitely is. fear-based. <laughs> and what do you think we could do to a, it's kind of a lifelong mission probably to crack these fields open and welcome more women, more creativity. Maybe do we need to make it more glamorous? What, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to I, I give think permission. I, I, yeah. So my observations have been that women that are interested in physics tend to get put off early. And this could be, you know, in high school or in, in early college where it's still taught from a sort of dry, male dominated perspective. And and so I think, you know, that needs to change. And I think, you know, there are obviously some exceptions, some really sort of brilliant women have sort of overcome those barriers and then, you know, done extremely well. Fabiola, of course, being one, she's now Mm. the director general uh, at at CERN. But, you know, these are too few and far between. I mean, I think we have to, you know, I I think the roadblocks are still there. And in some sense, you know, I'm seeing it, in my own kids, mm. I mean, I have the perfect experiment. I have, you know, a, a boy, girl, eleven-year-old twins, and I can see how they how they think differently. But I've already noticed that although the the school they that they go to is very nurturing and is sort of promoting STEM for girls, my daughter is still somehow from just absorbing the idea that she shouldn't be good at science, right? And you know, I don't see that with my son. You know, they. She's probably way better. I mean, she's got a very, got amazing intuition, but she's somehow is already sort of absorbed from hmm. her, you know, her surroundings, her, from society in some sense, that she's not supposed to be very good at science. And hmm. you know, I of course try to correct that, but it's but it's not something that I think just simple actions can do. It's hmm. a societal thing. I think it's you know, prevalent and persistent throughout society, just the way society is right now. And I think the changes that are needed really have to be quite revolutionary. I think if we're going to really do that, Mm. you know, we can sort of help women succeed in physics, but we also need proper role models. I mean, you know, I can can promote and be sort of an ally, but, um, you know, I will admit that I won't be, I'm not the perfect role model or mentor for a woman in (laughs) science. It needs to be a a woman that's encountered the the barriers that I have not encountered. Mm. And it's hard to talk about it even when I was a pretty good baby scientist, but I would run into all sorts of weird men at science fairs. (laughs) And I, I just, I didn't know how to say, oh, yeah, well, guess what? I'm going to do it anyway. I just didn't know. So your daughter is so lucky that she has you. And then we're going to find 
I wish we could talk to a thousand. Well, maybe we'll do a thousand episodes. We'll talk to every woman at CERN. But you're going to find us the the best, coolest women to talk to and um, at CERN, and we can find out how they persevered. Or Because I know a lot of women, too, they've been told they were crazy, right, when they had an idea or went down a road. Is it Andrea Gez who won the astronomy Nobel Prize recently? Or uh, there was some other woman in Arizona, right, with the telescopes who they were out there on their own. And you got to be a really courageous, strong person to keep going with your ideas. And especially now the way the world is, it's just like it's, and maybe we should make our own iHeart CERN podcast award, or we should do something like a Willy Wonka golden ticket to CERN to help, (laughs) you know, because you guys are so special that how much you've helped me. It's just such a gift the way you look at the world, both of you, and that you just really encourage originality and exploration and intuition and um, imagination. So, John, um, is not the name of your book, Mm. Dreaming, what is it? Dreaming a New World? Dreaming your world into being. Mm. Yeah. So that's really fantastic, isn't it? To be able to use your imagination to create a new world. And hopefully we will all be working together in our lifetime to build a world that we um, created from our intuition and (laughs) evaluation, imagination, right? Yeah. I think it starts, you know, with each individual that can recognize the beauty and the power and the strength of the feminine within them, right? So Mm -hmm. I think what what makes Mark extraordinary, and I think I was sort of always this way as a a child. Um, I have two brothers, but I I always thought I was like my mom's only daughter, right? So (laughs) what that meant was, you know, what that meant was (laughs) I had, you know, I had a strong she was a great example. And I think, and that's, that's a large part of it. Like you said, a great, great, powerful, strong female examples who aren't that by being more on their masculine side either, but really embracing the, the feminine. And, and so I've always had a, a strong appreciation and acknowledgement of the feminine within me, right? Feelings, emotions, expression, art, music, poetry, dance, ceremony, ritual, um, the subconscious, uh, the magic, the miracles, the synchronicities, the things that happen in life that the left brain, the masculine side of the brain doesn't have to understand. Like it's okay not to, not to kind of wrap your head around that, but to just, you know, sit with it. And it does take courage. Mm. You know, when I would go to the Amazon and explore these things in the middle of the Madre de Dios River, Mother of God River, think about that for a second, <laughs> um, you know, on, on this little island and in ceremony in the middle of the night. And I knew there was a jaguar just inside the bushes beyond the beach. And I really tested, you know, I appreciate fear. I believe it's normal to be fearful and be shaking. And I walked up to the edge and I realized I was shaking because there's a jaguar right there probably. And I can't see it. It's unknown. I don't know. And yet I just tried to practice. Can I stand here anyway, even in my fear? Or can I even walk further in? Mm -hmm. You know, can I practice courage, right? And so if each individual learns to practice courage with the feminine in them, with, with that, with that dive into, you know, the, the unknown or the unexplainable, then I think 
we have a chance and this is men and women, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think we have a chance to begin to have that more of that and more people then rising up through institutions or mm. businesses or policy bodies, the whole, you know, everything. Um, mm. uh, and then we, um, then we have a chance, you know, I think then we are being good role models for young girls mm-hmm. and boys who need to, um, embrace that within them so that they could embrace it in uh, women as, as it were. Brilliant. You know, and LGBTQ, you know. So much to think about, right? You guys both inspired me so much. Would that be okay? I promised a Will Pearson at iHeart we'd find our special iHeart particle, which is interesting because iHeart <laughs> and CERN, you know, they're both like the hearts. Could we um, talk to you, brilliant guys, further and Hopefully we can cook up a time to come to CERN and we can look at all these ideas further and how we can step out and also inspire and make this fun. Yeah, I think it'd be great to do this again, you know, at CERN. I mean, there's, there's lots of questions and, you know, I'd love to hear from, from John. I'd love, I've got a lot of questions. I, him know. Too. I think we should, we should, we should make it almost a program out of this. I think, you know, there are, there are different ways of, of approaching things and, you know, I think solutions to all these sort of complex problems and broadly really require different, you know, and more diverse approaches. So I think it's just the recognition of that. and, and So good. Just, yeah, sort of a great discussion to continue. Okay, well, so we better, we better let these two geniuses go, but <laughs> how about we, um, I like the idea of creating a contest or something that somehow we got to crack that nut open so that, you know, girls and, well, anyone would actually think of particle physics. That could be a career. I could actually work on the Large Hadron Collider. I mean, we never even considered this. I mean, maybe girls now are considering more than what I was considering when I was young, but how amazing. Yeah, maybe more, but still not not enough in, in my view. We're so going to shake this, it up. We're going to have our own yeah, revolution. there's always going to be work to do. Yeah. Oh, Right, decades. (laughs) We got to hurry, though. We don't have that much time. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will be um, ringing you two brilliant gentlemen again, and we will, um, on the path back to CERN, we're going to go revisit the God Particle, and uh, it would be my honor and pleasure to talk to both of you again and get to the crux of this. Would love that. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun talking with Dahlia. It's great talking to you too, John. Yeah, you too, Mark. And I was going to ask about your family because obviously they were three when we met last and now they're practically teenagers. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. That his was, house got that struck. Was yeah. Mind his house got struck by lightning and then he just said a tree fell on his garage. So I don't know. Yeah, so, so the, side of, yeah, the side of my garage got hit by lightning and it put, put all the power out. And then just as it was repaired, literally a tree fell down and the end of the tree hit the same place where the lightning hit the side of the garage. Right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> What's the probability of that? Well, we're gonna. How about on our next uh, little chat? We'll we'll give Mark a hundred dumb questions. Maybe we'll even have some people call in with dumb questions. Um, no such thing. Remember, okay. so they're all, they're all good questions. <laughs> Bye, favorite guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Wow, I love these discussions. What do you think? I love how Mark always reminds us that 
all interpretations are valid, that we know only 5% of the universe, and that there are no dumb questions. I also love that John encourages us to open our hearts, follow our intuition, and realize that we are all connected. We'll be sure to have them back on future episodes for more cool thoughts. Indeed. Thank you for joining me. If you have any questions, any questions at all, I really do want to know your thoughts. So please email us at omgpspod at gmail.com and I will get the brainiacs here at CERN to answer them. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, stay positively charged. We are the stars. Goodbye for now. Adios. Arrivederci. Afirazin. Habiento. Catch us next week for another installment of my enlightening conversations with these geniuses. Disappearance. Explosion. Due to quantum tunneling of the Large Hadron Collider, there is an extremely tiny chance that this podcast may suddenly disappear at any time, possibly reappearing elsewhere. OMGPS will not be responsible for such inexplicable disappearances. Thanks for listening to my podcast. And please come see my play, The Oh My God Particle Show, running from August 2nd to 27th, except August 15th, at Gilded Balloons at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2023. I'm going to be posting all the information on my Instagram, at Official. Stay tuned for more details about more OMGPS live theater shows in London, Geneva, New York City, LA, outer space. Who knows? Thank you for all your support. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.